last 12 hours of Jesus' life. And it starts coming in chapter 14, where Jesus is in this upper room. If you came to Good Friday, you know we talked about the Last Supper. When we talk about communion, we talk about the Last Supper. And Jesus is in this room, and he's at the Last Supper with those closest to him, his disciples. Now, the Bible says that he's in this room, and at the end of chapter 14, verse 31, he says, Arise, let us go from here. In other words, i got to move on to the next thing. So the Bible says that he then goes to the Mount of Olives. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, where we pick up chapter 15. And we believe that he stops sort of like by a plant or an olive tree. And he starts this speech that a lot of us know if we've been following Christ for a while. He starts this speech where I am the vine and you are the branches, right? Y'all heard that. So John 14, 15, and 16 are the last things that he says to his disciples before he's crucified. And the main context of what he says is this. Listen, guys, I'm going away. I've got to leave. But don't be troubled, though, because I'm going to send someone else in myself. And what he's doing, church, at this moment is he is introducing the Holy Spirit to those closest to him. So John chapter 14, look at verses 16 and 17. He's talking to his disciples. He's sitting in the upper room and he's sharing his heart with those closest to him. John 14, verse 16, it says this. And I'm reading out of the King James Version today. And I will pray the Father. That's how he starts it off. And I will pray the Father. Now, that might not jump out to you, but it jumps out to me because it surprises me that Jesus said, and I will pray the Father. I would think that in that spot, he would say, I will pray to the Father. But just to give you a little background of this word pray, when he uses this word pray, when he says pray, it's not the prayer that we think about. The Greek word that actually for pray means to ask. Most of the time it's tra translated ask. So when you read it that way, it makes more sense. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now I want you to notice the word helper. We're going to read this word four times today. And then we'll continue in this verse. It says that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, I need you to understand this is the reason why I underline the words he and him. The Bible never, ever refers to the Holy Spirit as the word it. Never. It's not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a he. Because he is a person. And if you don't see him as a person, then you won't develop a relationship with him. Can I get a good amen? You develop personal relationships with people, with persons. So it's very important to understand from the get-go that he is the third part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's look down to John 14, verses 25 and 26. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, second time we see that word, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to you remembrance all things that I said to you. Then look at us. Uh, just get down a little bit to John 15, verse 26. But when the helper, third time let me see that word, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you 
the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Look at John 16, verse 7. Skip down a little bit more. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. In other words, I'm about to tell you something that's going to be hard for you to understand. He said, it is to your advantage that I go away, that I leave. For if I do not go away, the helper, fourth time we see that word, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, we're going to read verses 8 through 11 a little later in the message, but I just want to look at one more thing. John 16, verses 12 and 13. He says, it says, I still have many things to say to you guys. Now I want you to think about what he's saying in this part. Jesus says, look, I've got many things I need to speak to you. I've got many things I need to get off of my chest to reveal to you. But you cannot bear them now. And he goes on to say, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Now that verse right there, church, should settle any argument about whether the Holy Spirit speaks. Because Jesus said he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So in other words, he's going to talk to us. Somebody say he's going to talk to me. Now, this word helper... We saw it four times. Let me tell you, in the Bible, it's only it's in the Bible five times. And we've read four. Now, it comes from the word. I'm going to teach you a little bit. Again, it's a teaching sermon. I'm not acting, actually believing that you're going to go around talking Greek. But I like to explain some Greek words that help me understand better. Can I give a good amen? All right. What the word that, 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 that he uses when he talks about this is the word parakletos. Parakletos. If you're taking notes, it's P-A-R-A. Kletos is K-L-E-T-O-S. Parakletos. And he used the word parakletos because I want to break it down so you understand exactly what he's saying. Para means alongside. Kletos means to come. So Jesus is saying he's, this person, he, this person that he's sending is supposed to come alongside you. He's going to come alongside you that as you walk through life, whatever circumstances you face, you are never facing them alone because he is beside you. Can I give it amen? He said he's coming alongside you so that he can help you. Now this word, paraphrase, can be translated into multiple things. Some verses, depending on what Bible you have, it can be translated to helper. Has been translated to counselor. Has been translated to intercessor. Like, I'm going to send you another counselor. I'm going to send you another in in intercessor. I'm going to send you another advocate. John 1 says advocate. So he uses these different things. But the thing that we see, now I grew up with King James. I don't know how you grew up. But I grew up reading King James version. My mom would try to read it. I didn't really understand it as a kid. I'm starting to understand it now. And so the word that they use in King James is comfort. Somebody say comfort. Now, I don't know if I've ever said this in this context, but man, I was young. I grew up in a campus. Okay? First 10 years of my life, I'm not talking about a double wide. I'm talking about a 16-foot camper. Okay? I grew up in a camper. Like literally, you can spit from one side of the house to the other. Okay? It was that little. And it was me, my mom, my dad, and my sister. And in the back, we shared a room with our bedroom. 
And my mom, I mean, literally, you can just talk normal. I mean, that's big 16 feet right here, okay? That's how big our camp was. And I looked at a KOA. Some of you don't know a KOA, I'm like, yeah, I should live at a KOA. And so I grew up in Scotland, Louisiana, right outside Los Angeles. And I was living in the camper. And, and one of the things that uh, I used to love to do is, is lay down and take a nap. Now, you can ask my wife, I don't like naps right now. I kind of grew out of naps. I think kindergarten messed me up. All those PTSD from not taking naps and getting orphans back in the day from home. But I don't like naps now, but I, back then I used to like naps. And I would lay down, and on top of my bed, I used to love it because I had this baseball bed spread. How many of y'all, y'all know what bed spread is, right? Most of y'all have a bed spread. All right, and mama, she didn't care what you did on the bed spread. Like, if you went out and played and laid on your bed spread, it was fine. She could throw, go to the washeteria and throw it and wash it up. Man, we could do whatever we wanted, bed spread. Dirt got a bed spread, it was fine. But one day, I'll never forget, mom came home, and she brought something that I had never seen before. It was fluffy. Man, it was beautiful. It was great, man. Mom said, look, I bought this for your bed. I think it was some kind of superhero. I think it was E-Man back then. But she said, this is a comforter. And then she put that beautiful thing on my bed, and I was so excited. Man, I could not wait to lay. It felt like I was laying on clouds. If you ever laid on comfort, you know what I'm talking about. And I came home from school, and, and I laid there, and I just finished playing baseball with my sister and them and neighbors, and all of a sudden I jumped on that comfort, man. My mama tore into me. What you doing on that comforter, boy? Get on that comforter. Get on that comforter. You get dirt on that comforter. And I'm like, mom, it's on my bed. She said, no, that's a comforter. That's for looks, you don't actually use it. Come on. Some of y'all got comforters in your house, your wife won't let you lay on. That's for company. Come on. She said, no, 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 you can't, you can't lay on that. That's just for show. And it's basically when people walk through the camper, it just looks nice. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, no, that's just something to look at. It's not something to lay on. It's not something to use. And I think about that church, and I think about us. I wonder how many of us have a spiritual comforter that we think look at that we think is just to look at, and it's not to use. Church, let me tell you today, the Holy Spirit is not for looks, it's for use. The Holy Spirit that we learn about and we hear about our comforter, our spiritual comforter, is to empower us and to enable us to live this life. Amen. So let me tell you this morning, three things that, that about who he is, the Holy Spirit. The first thing I want you to write down is number one, is he's my helper. He's my helper. Somebody say, he helps me. He helps me. The Holy Spirit is our helper. I'll tell you what he helps me to do. He helps me to know what to say. Some of you, you can relate to this. Man, there have been times, man, maybe you're praying for somebody. You're praying somebody, and you're laying hands on them, and, and you're going in for them. You go crying out to God for them, and all of a sudden, God will bring a verse to your mind. And you will pray that verse over that person. And even though you may not know the circumstances, God has given you that verse, and you have prayed that verse on that person. And all of a sudden, when that prayer stops, they look at you, and they're like, how did you know that was the verse I needed? How did you? I just read that verse this morning. Man, that sermon you just preached, I just studied all this week. And you know, when they come to me, they tell me that, you know what I said? That's why they made me the pastor, okay? That's just the way it works. No, not really. I tell them this, I say, listen, how 
Not only does he tell you what to say, he also tells you times when you, there's something that you should not say. Come on. Do you know it's that check in your spirit? It's that voice that you hear when you're about to say something. It's like, ah, I wouldn't say that. But what do we do? We say it anyway, don't we? Yeah, we say it anyway. Look, we say things like, uh, I shouldn't say this, but. Why do we say that? <laughs> Why do we have to shut our mouths when we say that? We already know what's coming out of our eyes. They crash, we're going to say it anyway. And then what do we do? We say it, and then we say, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. But, but and then what it is, church, is you get a check in your spirit. Something whispers to you. Something tells you, man, I shouldn't bring this up. And I'll tell you a great example. Some of y'all, man, it's just that time that you can think of right now when you came home from work. And your spouse had a bad day. And all of a sudden, you were about to bring something up that you know may upset her or him. And something in your spirit said, I wouldn't go there today. <laughs> Not today. I wouldn't be smart. That's the Holy Spirit. Can I get a good amen? <laughs> now, let me show you in John 16 three ways specifically that he helps us. And again, I'm going to use this analogy because I want you to understand I'll be honest, man, we've been here 10 years now. I think we've talked about the Holy Spirit, but we actually just time on it maybe twice. And, and I think it's because that just churches in general, we have a lot of misunderstandings of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do is I want to address some of those things. I want to get them right in the face because that's exactly what Satan does at one point. Can I get a good amen? And so I just want to, it's got a bad rap, and so I want to talk about it and break it down more. So John 16, verse 8, it says this. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So what is he going to do? He's going to convict the world of three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now again, we've looked at these things negatively, but I don't think they can be all that negative. They can be looked at in a different way because the Bible goes on to tell us as he tells us these things, he uses the word because, and the word because helps us understand things more. Look at verse 9. He says, of sin, because they do not believe in me. Now, let me tell you why the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. He convicts you of sin because if you don't understand and believe that you're a sinner, you'll never believe you're in need of a Savior. Can I do a good amen? Because if we can do everything ourselves, why do I need him? So you can't get saved until you know you're in need of a Savior. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin so we know that we can't do it on our own. We've tried for so long to do it on our own and we've ended up with the same result. And so he convicts us of this sin so that we know that we need a Savior. Now, I've talked about my story of getting saved before. But again, growing up in a small town, I got saved in a tent meeting where we did youth group. Now, you've heard me tell this story before that I didn't go for God, I went for a girl and I ended up finding God that night. And so I went, and, and, and I went there, and I gave my heart to Christ. Now, I will tell you, and I think I feel like I need to reiterate this every once in a while, but I want to let you know that you don't have to be sitting in a church to get saved. Okay? You don't. All right? You can get saved anywhere. Anywhere. You can be saved in the club, just doing a lot of coke. You can get saved in the bathroom. I'm telling you right now, I've heard the story. Oh, my God. In the worst situation you can think of, you can be saved there. In that moment, 
Now, here's the thing is, so many people, man, too many religious people, they go, you've got to be in an altar in a church, and you say, that is not true. Just like you don't have to die in a funeral home. It's convenient, but it probably won't happen. I'm telling you right now. You can be saved anywhere. But when it comes to my story, I was saved in this tent where we used to Now, let me tell you what I remember most about that night. The things that I remember most about that night is the conviction. It'll be at Conviction. I wasn't expecting to feel that I'm a good looking girl, but I'll say, if she would have told me to go anywhere, I would have fallen back. And I went there and I found conviction. And I found Jesus. And if you've been saved before, you know what I'm talking about. Where you felt so convicted, where you could not believe all of a sudden in that moment, everything comes back to your mind of everything you had done up to that point. Whether we've been going out, sleeping around, adultery. Sins that are popping up, that is conviction. That's the Holy Spirit. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says this. It says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So that means that the Holy Spirit's job is not only to put this conviction on you and make you feel this. The Holy Spirit's ultimate job is to point you to Jesus Christ. To point you to Jesus. He's going to convict the world of sin because they don't believe in Jesus. So in turn, we'll believe in Jesus. Can I get a good amen? amen. Now here's the next thing he does in verse 10. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Jesus is saying, I'm going to my Father. It's time. I've got to leave. You're, gonna, you're not going to see me around walking with you anymore, disciples. But do you know why? I've got to go be with my father because I'm going to be at the right hand of my father. I'm going to be making intercession for you. I'm going to be bringing the two together. You can't have a relationship with him because of the sin in your life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get out of the cross and die for your sin so that I can go sit with him so that y'all two can have a relationship that only could happen if I didn't do what I did for you on the cross. So you're not going to see me anymore, but I'm doing this for you because I got something better for you. Can I get a good amen? amen? Now righteousness, he says in verse 10, he says, I want to convict him of righteousness. You need to know today that righteousness and righteous living are two different things. Righteous living is important, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about righteousness. And righteousness means right standing before God. We call it, he sees us as white as the sin that we bring to the table, the cross that covered that sin, now God sees us in right standing with him. Now let me give you another word for convict. Because sometimes people get uncomfortable when we say the word convict. So I'm going to give you another word that I like to use. And that's the word I want you to write it down, convince. Convince. And this is why I ask you to write that word down as you look at that. Is I believe that if you feel convicted about something, you're convinced in that area that you should live a certain way. You know when something when something convicts you and makes you feel that way, you know that you should be living better. You should be doing things different, right? He not only wants to convict you of your sin and convince you that you need a savior, he introduces you to that savior and then he convinces you that because you believed in that Savior, you are now in right standing with God. So that's a pretty good conviction, isn't it, church? 
But so many of us struggle with this. So many of us get the first part. Man, I walk in the church, and then I receive him, and I feel so guilty. My week goes throughout the week, and I feel guilty. And you just put this guilt on your shoulders. I can't believe I messed up. I can't believe I went and did that. I can't believe that I said that to that person, even though I'm supposed to be different now. And we're convinced of the conviction of our sin, and we stop there for some reason. But the Holy Spirit says, hold up. I've introduced you, the sinner, to the Savior. Yeah. And now that you have the Savior, I need you to be just as convinced with your sin that you're standing in, or you think is covering you up, and think is making you smell bad. I need you to be as convinced as that, as convinced as I've covered that. Why that snow is no more. It is gone.
my helper. He helps me. The second one that he is, the Holy Spirit, he's my friend. He is my friend. And let me tell you, he is not weird. He is not weird. He's my friend. I know he's not weird because he's my friend. And I spend time with him. Now, here's the problem we've seen coming up the end. You've been a believer. Maybe you just see it on the TV. What happens is we see people that say that they're following the Holy Spirit. They're doing weird things. Let me tell you, you take the Holy Spirit out of that, they still be weird people. Can I get a good amen? <laughs> they're just weird people. Come on, there's a survey out right now that says one in three people are weird. If you don't believe me, let's do something right now. I want you to look to the person on the left of you. Really stare them down awkwardly. Look at it good. Look to the person on the right of you now. Come on, look at them good. Stare them awkwardly. All right, now listen. If neither one of them look weird, I'm sorry. It's you. It's you. I'm serious. I'm serious. Now I'm going to play. Stop playing with me with 22 people. It's okay. Jesus Street. 
Street and those revivals and that kind of thing. Billy Graham went around, man, traveled the world, and God moved through him. But really, the church didn't start talking about the Holy Spirit again to the late 1900s, early 2000s. And they just started to get people in a place where they wanted to know more about him. They wanted to understand him. And I think Satan knew that. And he says, i got to mess this up. I can't allow this to happen. So what did he do? He created all this controversy. He put the focus on one gift. And what he did was he got people afraid of the Holy Spirit. And he's done a good job at it. I think about this, man. We say things sometimes, man, as believers. We'll see, use these Christian terms and we'll say things. Man, we'll say the words, language of evidence of the Holy Spirit. Right? You've heard that, evidence. I don't like to use that word. I would prefer to use the word benefits. If you write that word, it's benefits of the Holy Spirit. And here's the reason I say that. First of all, I don't think you should put focus on one gift. We put too much focus. And I'm going to say, look, that one gift is valid. 100% valid. But we put all our attention on one gift and we forgot about the other gifts. And, and listen, it's valid. And look, I know some people say, well, that gift just passed away. Let me tell you right now, church, that gift ain't going nowhere. There is not one word in our book. Heaven and earth will pass away before one word in that book will pass away. It is valid. But here are some benefits. Here are some evidence and some benefits of the Holy Spirit. Number one is power. Somebody say power. Power. The Bible says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power to witness specifically. Power to witness. Not only does it give you power, the second thing it gives you is love. Somebody say love. Love. 1 Corinthians 13, the number one verse in all weddings. 1 Corinthians 13, right? It talks about love. Now, chapters 12 and 14 talk about the gift. But I love what Paul says in 13. He says, if you don't have love, I don't care how many gifts you got. Come on. If you don't have love for people, it doesn't matter if God gives you anything else. You won't be able to operate it without love. You need to have love. The third thing, the third bit of it is fruit. Now, Matt would be proud of me because I learned this in Bible college, going to that healing place Bible college. We learned about the fruits of the Spirit. You remember? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, if you read those and you're like, man, I don't question isn't, have you received the Holy Spirit? You have. The moment you receive Jesus, you receive the Spirit. The question is, are you spending enough time getting to know Him? You can't reflect what you don't know about if you're not going to do that Somebody say knowledge of power. So He gives you power, love, fruit. Not only that, the fourth thing He gives you is gifts. And I'm not, I'm talking about all the gifts. I'm not talking about one gift in particular. Power, love, fruit, and gifts. So the Holy Spirit, he's my helper. He's my friend. And listen, he's not weird because I spend time with him. I know he's not weird. If you spend time with him, he ain't weird. And the third and thing, he's my God. He's my God. Now, I want to show you how some of us have been taught negatively about the Holy Spirit. When I say the Father is my God, and you don't have a problem with that. When I say that Jesus is my God, and you don't have a 
But when I say that the Holy Spirit is also my God, and you have a problem with that, that means that somewhere along the line, you have been misguided by the Holy Spirit. Because listen, he's part of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When we baptize people, we baptize in all three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And there are many verses that talk about the Trinity. Just the ones we just read on the Trinity from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one verse. John 14, 16. We'll jump back to that. And I, that's Jesus, will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. There's Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, same person. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, all in one person. John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, says the Holy Spirit, whom I, Jesus, shall send you from the Father. All three in one. Now let me give you an exact story where all three are present at the same time in one story. And, that, and most of you have read the story, maybe you've never noticed it. Luke chapter 3, verse 22. You don't need to turn now, I'm just going to tell you how it rolls. Jesus is getting baptized by John the Baptist. In verse 22, it says this And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. That's Jesus. And he comes down in a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, church, they defer to one another. The Father glorifies and magnifies the Son. The Son only does what the Father says, then tells his people how that the Holy Spirit is coming and when he's coming. The Holy Spirit then leads you to Jesus that you need. I mean, if we were to listen to a conversation between the three, it would sort of sound like this. Man, you are a wonderful God. No, you are a wonderful God. No, you're a wonderful God. No, you're a wonderful God, right? They love each other. Yet they are three in one. Now, let me give you two more verses. I want you to write down, man. We're almost out. Done with this. That I prove that the Holy Spirit is God. It's a great, great verse. A couple verses. Acts 5, 3. We read the story about Ananias. And it says this. Peter said this in verse 3. Chapter 5, verse 3 in Acts. He says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? But then he jumps in verse 4 and says this. You have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. So in other words, you lied to the Holy Spirit. If you lied to the Holy Spirit, you lied to God. Now listen, church, I've met people, and you probably have too, outside of this denomination, that have told me, you need to be very careful about listening to people who talk about the Holy Spirit. And listen, I'm not here to downplay any other denomination or bash them or any of that stuff, but I'm simply saying, there are people that are going to tell you things like that, that have said these things to me that have that were simply just taught incorrectly about the Holy Spirit. And here's the problem I have with this, and I'll be honest with you. If we believe what we just read in the Bible, that the Holy Spirit is God, what are these people actually telling you? They're saying, Terry, you need to be careful about those people who talk about God. That's twisted, church. 
that's messed up. And we can't walk around not accessing something that's been given to us as children of God. Let us not walk around ignoring and just looking at the spiritual comforter in our life, not being able to use it at all. I want us to be a people that access, I want to be a person that accesses everything that God has given me permission to access. You know, give me an amen. I want to use every tool he's given me, every weapon he's given me. I want to know that I have access and that when I have access, I can get in. I don't know if you've ever had access to something that you didn't know you had access to. Maybe you went to a concert and got backstage. Maybe you went to an event and sat closer than you thought you would get to sit. Maybe you sat in a room with people that you never thought you'd be in a room with, but God has placed you there in that room. Come on, we got to take access to what he's given us access to. Somebody say, I got access. So let me close with this. I'm telling you today we're going to learn about who he is. Next week I'm going to talk about, man, does he baptize? And what does that look like? I'm excited about that next Sunday. So you don't want to miss part two of this. But I want to close with this. And as I close with this, I know you've been taking great notes because I've been watching stuff. And I've been paying attention. And I've been seeing some of y'all, man, y'all have not barely looked up. And that, that encourages me because that shows me that you're here more than just about Sunday. You're taking it home to allow it to, to really reflect on your life. But I want to read something to you. It's a commentary I read on the Holy Spirit. And I tell you this. I want you to go ahead and put your pens down. And I want you to really receive this for yourself. Receive that for your life. It's easy to stand up here and say, oh, this is for them. But we never sometimes really reflect this for us. And so as I read this commentary, I want to let you know what the Holy Spirit does for you. And for I. The commentary said this as we close. The Holy Spirit intercedes to us on earth. The Holy Spirit calls and qualifies ministers for their work. It is the Holy Spirit who makes them overseers of the flock. He hears, speaks, teaches, and guides us into all truth. He glorifies Christ, receives from Christ, shows us Christ, and brings all of Christ's words to our remembrance. It is better for us that Jesus has left so that he could come. He shows us things to come, knows the deep things of God, searches all things and reveals all things. Because where he is, there is liberty. The writers of the Bible spoke as they were moved by him. We are warned not to grieve him or clinch him. The sin against him is unparatable because sin against him is against the only one who can reveal the Son to us. Unless a man is born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. We are convicted by him, born again by him, led by him, filled with him, and sealed by him.
running the enemy's steps. And I was praying as they were walking up to myself. And God, as I saw the prayer partner came around me, the ladies prayed with him. And God said to me to tell her, let it go. Let it go. That was the only thing he told me. This doesn't happen very often. And I remember this, even I'm just speaking out of my own reality. There's still, even though I stand up here, there's some fear in me. And wonder again, is that really you, God? Is that really you speaking to me? And the Holy Spirit kept saying to me, hey, look, just tell her to let it go. And in that moment, church, I walked over and she's, she's crying. And they're, they're praying over And I walked to the bottom of these steps. And I laid hands on her and I had to pray with them. And I leaned over to that young lady and I whispered in her ear and I said, God wants me to tell you, let it go. In that moment, that young lady collapsed. And she started to cry out. And it was that wailing cry cry. And we prayed over that woman and we went off after the ending of the, 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 the sermon and the, the, the service. And they just continue to pray over that young lady. And, I, and, I, and that young lady, I ended up connecting with her after service. And she began to tell me her story. She began to tell me that when she was a young girl, she was abused by her father. And she had walked into many churches like this, but she could never make that move, make that choice of trusting a heavenly father with her life. And that God had been working on her heart in that moment where I said, let it go. And God told me to say that that was a breaking moment for her. Because then in that moment, she knew that she finally could forgive the father, the, the earthly father she had forgotten, did, forgiven in that little year. Church, God changed that woman's life in just one moment. I didn't change it. It wasn't something I said. It was something that God spoke to me. And that same person. The Holy Spirit that told me to say those things, he isn't weird. He isn't goofy. And listen, he wants to speak to you today just as much as he wants to speak to me. And he wants you to get to know him and spend time with him so that he can show you how much he cares about you, how much he wants to do in your life, and how much he loves you. Church, as we go to close, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. As you close your eyes and bow your head as church, I want you to, if you're fiddling with something, put it down. I don't ask, I don't demand much, but if you could do that for me, do it for him. Put it down and just give him these couple minutes. And I want you to ask God. You don't have to ask God a lot if you want to, great. But I want you to ask him, ask Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me through this message? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to tell me? Are you trying to tell me I need to give more time with you because I'm not giving you enough? Are you trying to tell me that you just want me to feel your love? Are you trying to tell me that I'm important enough to you that you would want to spend time with me? That you see me in my filth, you see me in my sin, yet you can introduce me to a Savior that can cover all What are you speaking to me through this message today? 
Church, in this moment, as you close your eyes and bow your heads, I want to ask you, maybe there's somebody in here you don't know Holy Spirit because you don't know Jesus. You've never really committed your life to have a personal relationship with Him. And so to even think about the Holy Spirit, you first got to do that part. But today, you're willing, man, I, I want to give it a try. I may not know everything about it, but I know that I keep trying things on my own and it ain't working out. And to know that somebody died on the cross for me, to know that somebody loved me, I got to, to just at least give it a try. And that's you today, church. You say, that's me. I want to receive Christ as my personal Savior. I want to know more about this Holy Spirit that you're talking about. That's you right now. Without anybody looking around, I want you to lift a hand. 